want to uh, welcome everyone to our online stream. We are so glad that you are with us. So we're in the last um, message from the book of Ephesians, and I'm going to be reading these verses from chapter 6. I've entitled my message this morning, The Armor of God, How to Be Strong in the Midst of COVID's Second Wave. So Paul writes this, finally. So he's made his way through, you know, five chapters packed full of theology and practical exhortation and wisdom for how our lives can be a glory to God as we bask in the glory that Jesus has given to us. So now he's giving us his concluding exhortation. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist on the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having belted your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having strapped on your feet the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Then I want to read this verse here from Psalm 42. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him for the help of His presence. Father, we just come to You this morning. We thank You, Jesus, for Your eternal Word. That just as You, God, are the same yesterday, today, and forever, so is Your Word. It's alive. It speaks to us. It never gets old, but in fact, it expands within our hearts. And so this morning, Holy Spirit, would you cause the word to just come alive and expand within us? We commit our time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I mentioned, my title this morning is The Armor of God, How to Be Strong in the Midst of COVID's Second Wave. And I have to admit that a couple weeks ago, I buckled. I had stayed strong through the first wave of COVID, but with Dr. Bonnie Henry's announcement a couple weeks ago that no in-person church attendance was allowed, I got angry, and then I got depressed. Now, I love Dr. Henry as a healthcare professional. I came from that field, so I'm always very dialed in to how she explains the science and, and the data, and I've prayed a lot for her. Our prayer team have prayed a lot for her and Adrian Dix that they would lead our province well through this time. I've been even so um, excited about Dr. Henry. I said, you know what? She should run for prime minister because she would be a great prime minister. But when I read her latest guidelines, I felt it was a bit heavy-handed, a little overdone. Yes, I had seen all the research and heard the rationale, but it felt a bit much. I felt like now the walls were closing in. Everyone was doing their part, trying to flatten the curve and, and dampen down the infections. But now it was not getting better, it was getting worse. And so, hence, these new guidelines, and it just felt like the world was shrinking. It was getting suffocating. 
So I found myself moving from positivity to despair. I'd been accumulating and storing up more stress and pressure than I realized, and I had reached a breaking point. Now I was experiencing pastoral depression. Not clinical depression, but that deep feeling of of being blue and a touch of despondency. The responsibility and the burden and the weight of keeping the church going in the midst of the pandemic, keeping it in a good place, made me feel like, is this effort even worth it? Do people even care? Preaching to an empty room is not ideal. The natural energy of us being together is not there. Now it would just be more of the same. Actually, it would be worse. And the pastoral wear and tear finally got to me. The spiritual battle was on. Then I thought about this passage that we were going to look at this morning about the armor of God, and I thought the timing couldn't be better. This is another great moment to do a COVID check-in in the midst of our second wave and ask, how are you doing? How are you holding up? Are you feeling tired or worn out? Have you had moments of discouragement of late? Are you staying strong or are you feeling weak? Now, as we read, the whole purpose of the armor of God is to make us strong. In verse 10, put on the full armor of God so that you can be strong and that you'll be able to stand. Paul understood, particularly as Christianity was being birthed in first century, that the Christians needed strength, that there would be so many cultural pressures and spiritual pressures that would try to keep them down and maybe even snuff out this new religion that was being birthed. But little did Paul know that his words would be such a comfort to us 21 centuries later that we too would need to be strong, that we too would need to stand firm. And so the lessons that he was teaching the Ephesians would apply to us just as much as it was to them back in the early days. Now, not to be cruel, but remember, just one year ago, I was reading this blog over Aish.com, and I just thought the wording was so good. Just a year ago, when you met someone, you could actually shake their hand. When you saw a friend, you would give them a hug. When you sat on a bus or a bench, you actually sat right next to the person, not six feet away. When your kids went to school, it was in person with no concept of Zoom scheduling. A year ago, the only time you wore a mask was to a masquerade party. A year ago, the words like quarantining and social distancing and my bubble didn't exist. Weddings, baptisms, church services weren't limited to five or 50 people, let alone no people. A year ago, a cough was just a cough. The only time that I ventured out of Canada this year was to, go to a, was to go to a conference, and on my trip back coming to Canada, I had picked up a dry cough, and I was just paranoid that people heard me coughing and thinking I was spreading these COVID germs, but it was just a dry allergy cough. The security of going grocery shopping without fear, that's gone. The security that I'll be healthy and financially stable, that's been stripped away from us. A year ago, just a year ago, COVID did not even exist. How much things have changed in just 12 months. So all this pressure lends to varying degrees of resignation, frustration, irritation, aggravation, 
weariness, and more. And this is where David's words come in from Psalm 42. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you disturbed within me? Now, I'm sure many of us have not experienced all 10 months of being downcast or disturbed, but we've gone through moments and seasons, maybe weeks of this. And so we can relate to David's words. He was not in a good place. He was forlorn and down. And as you study, you ask, well, why did he have such pain? Why was he experiencing this anguish? The verse just prior to this gives us the primary reason. He says this, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise and a multitude keeping festival. Now, David was the king. He had been installed by God. Samuel had anointed him at a young age. But of all the things that he did in terms of his royal responsibilities, he loved going to the house of the Lord. It wasn't the amazing royal banquets. It wasn't the power or the fame or the prestige. The thing that made David's heart leaped the most was to go to the house of God with the people of God to worship and to give him praise. That's why we have 150 psalms. David at a young age was a musical savant. He could play on the harp so much so that people would be delivered from evil spirits. That's pretty powerful. The thing that made him tick, the thing that made him come alive was to worship God and now that was taken away from him. And so he was disconsolate, and he was down. He was separated from his people and his countrymen. It was gone. He longed for that meaningful and necessary connection in the deepest part of his soul. I think we can say that we know a bit of that feeling well. We haven't assembled as a whole church in nine months Just as the disconnect and disruption affected David's mood and frame of mind, so it affects us. But David understood that this situation meant war, as in spiritual battle, because this is not where God wants us to abide. Joyless living is not God's lot for us. So what we see here in Psalm 42 is that David embarks on a three-point plan to get his joy back. Three-point plan. The first point is given to us in the verse that I read. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? The first point of getting our joy back is we have to process the pain. God doesn't want us to deny the pain. Rather, he wants us to process it, to acknowledge it, and let the human feelings come out, even pour out. He's not put off or offended by it. He's not asking us to fake it. And unfortunately, it seems like in Christendom or in churchdom, we feel like when we come to church or when we become a Christian, we can't be authentic anymore. All of a sudden, we have to put on these airs. We have to put on a certain image. We always have to be happy-wappy all the time. But that's not the case. God is not calling us to be fakes. God is not glorified by us being fake. Rather, He's glorified as we look to Him 
in the midst of our ever-present trouble. That's what it says in Psalm 46.1. When God comes to assist and comfort and lift us up in the grit of our lives, that's what brings glory to His name. That's when the world sees that He is real. When the world sees that we're going through the same things that they're going through, but that we handle it different and that we have a comfort that's supernatural, it's very tangible to them that there is a real God. So processing the pain is so important in this process. The second part to David's plan is to speak to your soul where you want to be. Speak to your soul where you want to be. So David goes on to say in this verse, Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Not only are we to process our feelings, we must also point ourselves in the right direction, pointing ourselves to our destination. We must get our hope back, our joy back, our strength back. And to do that, God wants us to have a picture in mind of where we need to go. If we don't have that picture, we just stay adrift in our sea of feelings and wallow there. And that's not healthy. Too often, modern psychology and modern counseling techniques is constant processing, but never really laying hold of a destination. Where is it that we actually want to go? And so David, in the midst of his despair, he was so wise. He said, okay, I'm right here, but this is where I want to end up. That's my destination. So how do we get from where we are to where we want to go? This is the third point. This is where we take up our armor. As we read in Ephesians, there are six elements to the armor of God. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel shoes of peace, the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. And as we dissect Psalm 42, we're going to see how David employed these in his distress. And we will see how all six elements of the armor are embedded in this psalm. So David begins his psalm by saying this, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? I mentioned just a little bit earlier how it's worship and the presence that causes David to come alive. And now he's in this place of just yearning deeply for God. I hope that you've been in a place during this pandemic of yearning deeply for God. You know, when plants are in a season of drought, the roots go on a search mission for water. Plant scientists tell us that roots sense the environment. They sense the water where there's more nutrients, and they go for those resources. Roots are the smartest part of the plant. Roots know how to dive and dig deep for what is essential. There's been a lot of talk around this word essential. What are essential services? What's non-essential? Well, the roots, they know how to go for what's essential. And I love this phrase that roots are the smartest part of the plant. So if we want to be smart like these roots, we need to dive deeply for God. Like David said here, my soul pants for God. My soul thirsts 
for God. Drought seasons help us to identify what really matters, what's expendable, what's extra in our life, what's just fluffy in our lifestyle, and what is truly important. Here David is saying, nothing is more important to me than my relationship to God. He's what I long for. He's the heart pain. He is my comfort. It's my salvation that keeps me sane. Right there, we see that David is putting on the helmet of salvation and keeping his thoughts in a good place. It's his salvation that's anchoring him. It's his salvation that's keeping his soul in a grounded place despite the turmoil of his emotions. I can go after God. Thank the Lord for my relationship with him. Even if all the fun and good things that I like to do have been robbed because of COVID, I'm going to be all right. I have my relationship with Jesus, which can never be taken away. That's my helmet of salvation. David goes on in this psalm. says, my tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? Verse 10, he echoes this exact same sentiment. He says, as a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? Now herein lies the warfare, the accusations that can come against us. Voices that question us. We begin to question ourselves. We start picking up lies. We start picking up little shadows that begin to create a breaking down. When we talk about warfare, it's in the invisible realm. There's an emotional power, a negative energy that comes to us that starts to steal our joy. Comes through circumstances, people's snide remarks, underhanded comments, criticisms, cruel or outright mocking comments. Where is your God? Hence, in Ephesians 6, Paul said, You need to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, powers, world forces, and the forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. In other words, this is not something that you can see. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's in the invisible realm. But that invisible realm is so real because it impacts our heart. It impacts our emotion. Now, just as the church is a spiritual organization, so the devil has a spiritual organization. That's arrayed against us to steal our joy and kill our, kill our hope and destroy our faith. That's his scheme. When Paul refers to this in verse 11. The devil has an evil organization with an ordered hierarchy. So it's important to properly discern what's, what is happening because it is a battle. And this is where our shield of faith comes in. We must ward off the doubts, the insinuations of where is your God. We mustn't agree with the voice of the enemy. We must cast down the lies. We must put the doubts under our feet and not allow it to pierce our shield. Paul describes these thoughts coming at us as flaming arrows shot at us, but which will fall helplessly to the ground if our shield of faith is up. Part of the blessing and maybe part of the curse of the pandemic is that we get to spend more time with God. 
A lot of people have been able to just zero in more on the relationship, which is a great thing. But then the negative side of the pandemic is we're inside our own heads too much. There's too much thinking that's going on. In fact, there's overthinking that's going on. And our mind gets tired. Maybe generally we can say the introverts like COVID and the extroverts don't. But in the moment, in the season of constantly thinking and being by ourselves, the enemy will come in and try to sow doubts and lies, wondering if we're doing the right thing. And all those things add up and create a weight on our heart. And so we need to put up the shield of faith and we must ward off these flaming arrows and doubts. But what God is doing in our life, what God is doing in our friend's life, and even in our faith. Now in the next two verses, four and five, I read previously, and those are our compass verses. As in moving where we are to where we want to go. So we're going to jump down to verse six. David says, Oh my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. Shutdown after shutdown, lockdown after lockdown, the breakers and waves have rolled over us. We felt flooded with all the limitations that had come over our heads. But like David said, we say, I remember you from the land of Jordan. Our land of Jordan is a land of COVID. But we're longing for the milk and honey of the promised land. We're contending for peace and joy. That's what our walk is about. Okay, we may have to slog through the mud, but we're not going to lose our shoes in it. Ephesians 6, that's why Paul says to us, put on as shoes for your feet, the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Gospel shoes. We have a message of salvation. We have a report to give wherever we go. Isaiah says, who has, re who has believed the report of the Lord? There's a lot of unbelief that might be out there, but we're still called to give the report of the Lord, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We're going to keep the gospel of Jesus strapped to our feet. He is the giver of peace. He is the prince of peace. He is the one that gives peace without understanding. One of the things that we sing around Christmas is that he's wonderful counselor, prince of peace. What a powerful title. And so as we go through this season, as we go through seasons, maybe in the future, we must always keep the gospel shoes on our feet. That's who we are. That's our identity. We are sons and daughters of God. We are Christians and proud followers of Jesus. The shoes of the gospel of peace. And then we read here in verse 8. David continue on, continues on with us. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and his song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. Here David wields the sword of the Spirit, the fourth element of the armor, against all the accusations, because the accusations are saying, where is your God? Well, he's responding by saying, 
His kindness is on my side. The Lord will command His kindness in the daytime. Back off. I rebuke your lies. I rebuke your doubts and your foolish questions and your insinuations. Now, maybe as Canadians, we don't like confrontation. We don't like to rebuke people. But you know, when it comes to kingdom, we need to rebuke the devil. We need to rebuke these lies. We need to set aside our Canadian niceness and we need to rise up and be provoked in our spirit. David is saying, he will put a song back in my heart, new words of worship upon my lips. Pushing back is a sign of our strength. It's a sign of our feistiness. Pushing back is how we stand firm, which is what Paul exhorted us to. We hold our ground and we don't cede an inch to the devil. And David says here that prayer is on our side. Paul also brings this point out about prayer and intercession. He says in chapter 6, verse 18 of Ephesians, with every prayer and request, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be alert with all perseverance in every request for all the saints. So one of the questions I have for you, church, is are you praying regularly during this pandemic? Are you processing with God? And are you praying for others? I know we have a lot of digital resources around us. It's easy to just get tied into our Netflix libraries or our YouTube channels or our Instagram reels or whatever it is and spend endless hours just sort of medicating our soul. When God says part of the armor, part of the way that we come out of weakness into strength is to be praying. And part of praying is hearing from God. You know, when we pray, it's not just to sort of offer up these supplications, which is good, but it's also to quiet our soul that we can hear back from Him. The Bible says that when we hear from Him, it becomes rhema to us. It becomes bread to us. It feeds us. It changes our mood. The joy of the Lord becomes our strength. So are you praying regularly during this pandemic? Hopefully you're developing those prayer muscles because it's part of the sword of the Spirit. Then we read this in verse 9, Psalm 42. David says, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Here David is buckling up with the belt of truth, wrapping himself in truth, girding up and protecting his innards, his liver, his kidney, his stomach, his vital organs with who God is. You are my rock in the midst of my despair. That's my confession. I'm belting myself with truth. And beloved, never let the devil or the circumstance you're in steal your confession. There are too many people that are drifting away during this pandemic. Number one, because they're not putting the right confession in their own mouth and they're not hearing the confession of other people. They're so disconnected from fellowship, so disconnected from the family of God, they're not hearing truth. They're not hearing the confessions. And so what happens is an erosion and a degradation of their faith and pretty soon they're gone. The devil has done his work. But David said, I'm not going to let that happen. God, you're my rock. That's the confession of my heart. 
The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves. Preach the unchanging, unwavering character of God to your soul. We talk a lot about talking to God, but there's another aspect that we see in this psalm, which is the need to talk to our own soul. We need to give ourselves a little locker room speech. We need to say, okay, Rich, you're all depressed, you're all down, but come on. You can do this. God is on your side. We need to preach the character of God to ourselves. God is good. He is sovereign. He is righteous. He is loving. You will work all things together for good. And even if man means it for evil, you will still turn it around for good. Was not that the confession of Joseph in Genesis 50 after his brothers had sold him into slavery? So David is, is buckling up and he's getting his strength because he's speaking to his soul and declaring to himself who God is in the midst of this difficult time. Then in verse 11, David repeats his refrain. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. With this final verse, David is putting on the breastplate of righteousness. He's repeating his discouragement from verse 5, yes, but he's also repeating something else. He's reminding himself that what he is doing is utterly the right thing. He's hoping in God. Right? Isn't that part of our quandary? Are we doing the right thing? Do we have assurance in our hearts? Do we have confidence but when we know we are doing the right thing, despite all the noise that's around us, and it might even be our friends or our loved ones, but when we know we're doing the right thing, it settles and it protects our heart. That's God's breastplate of righteousness. So David is saying, no matter what people are saying, trying to tear down my faith, trying to come against our Jewish traditions, I'm still going to put my hope in him. He is my help and my countenance. Psalm 3.3, He is the glory and the lifter of my head. And this ongoing repetition of hope is so important because it deepens what needs to be in our heart. We need the reps. We need to strap on the breastplate nice and tight. So in this psalm, we see how David walks through his valley of distress and how the armor of God, when you reflect on it, just emerges. And how we can use it in our lives during gut-wrenching times. And as much as COVID might try to overwhelm us, God has given us the tools to prevail. Amen? Let me close with this. In many ways, I believe COVID is a boot camp from the Lord. He is toughening us up for the days ahead so that we can be strong, as Paul said, to be strong in the Lord. God wants to take our tendency away to faint or to be faint-hearted, as it says in Luke 18.1. Jesus prophesied in Matthew chapter 24 that the last days of which we're living in would be times of pressure. And if we are living in the days of the birth pangs, then God is wise to get us ready for even more difficult days ahead. 
Of course, who likes the thought of more difficult times? As if COVID is enough. I mean, being a, a microbiologist and having worked with viruses and bacteria, we know that they can mutate. We know that they can change. I was shocked to read in the newspaper just yesterday that they identified four different strains of COVID in one of the football locker rooms. I go, it's already changing. It's already mutating. What if this work on vaccines and we roll it all out and COVID changes enough that we need another vaccine? We don't like to think about those things. And of course, they're not pleasant. The scripture says that in these times of tribulation, we need not fear. Because the Lord said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but take courage. Or in different translations, says, be of good cheer, take heart. For I have overcome the world. John 16, 33. In other words, God is not going to have us go around the trouble. No one's been exempt from COVID, no matter how much they wished it away or called it a hoax. God is most glorified by taking us through it. Didn't Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go into the fire? Didn't Daniel go into the lion's den? Didn't they all emerge? And what a testimony they brought to God. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. As Paul preached to us in Ephesians 1, the Holy Spirit is given to us as a seal of our redemption. So we shouldn't pray that God will drop us into Disneyland, but we should pray that God gives us more and more wisdom on how to take up his armor. So no matter the battle that we're thrown into, we will win. And that in the end is much more satisfying, much more gratifying, overcoming, prevailing, and winning. Thank God for his armor. This is how we navigate COVID's second wave and more. Lord, we thank you for the timeliness of Ephesians 6. We thank you for the example of David in Psalm 42. We thank you how theology and doxology come together. We see how teaching and practice come together in real-life situations. I pray, God, that as we go forward, that we would take these passages and these truths, Lord, and become better and better at using them, employing them, so that we can be strong. God, you don't want us to be weak. Yes, we will go through times of pressure, but in the midst of it, you want us to thrive and to be strong. You want us to be the plants that pop up in the middle of the desert. So this morning, I just speak strength to all that are listening online right now. Maybe you're going through a financial hardship. Maybe you're going through a physical hardship. Maybe you're going through a relationship hardship. And you can relate so well with David's words that your soul is in despair. You don't know where to go. But the words of Paul in Ephesians 6 tells us and equips us for how to fight and how to move through this. So I just speak a great grace to Five Stones Church and all who are listening this morning in the precious name of Jesus. We thank you. We bless you. Amen. Amen to everyone. And uh, look forward to seeing you again online. Have a safe week. And 
Merry Christmas is coming upon us soon. Amen.